the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. The following program is pre-recorded. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Uh, let's start out think, uh, get our minds working right. The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. I believe that was William Ward. Dreams have only one owner at a time. That's why dreamers are so lonely. <laughs> there we go. Okay, uh, you know, I always uh, refer you to my webpage, and uh, if you'd like to get any of the information we talk about on this show, just Google Tim Hayes Radio and I show up. Uh, you always know it's me because right below my uh, picture is, uh, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, there's some good stuff on there. The technical analysis is probably the best in the market week. It kind of wraps up the market for you. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many people think that the market's up double digits this year. It's flat as a pancake almost, you know, so... Uh, it, there's a few stocks that are up double digits, but, uh, they're getting fewer and fewer. Uh, but there's, there's also some good stuff on, um, a data breach and I highly recommend that. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this and I think only one person sent away for it so far, but I've got a lot of, uh, really good fact sheets on government healthcare fundamentals. And I really think this is something that you ought to take a look at, uh, you know, this is Medicaid, uh, Medicare, I'm sorry. You know, we have government uh, Medicare numbers, the basic fact sheet, uh, enrollment considerations. Then we have a woman's guide to health care and retirement and caring for your aging parents and a few of those things. They're, they're all available to you. All you have to do is hit the contact me and it, it comes directly to me. Uh, we also have our global best energy ideas. Uh, energy has been wavering a little bit, but I still think the long term is phenomenal. And we have two uh, two pieces out there. Our Imagine 2025 portfolio. This is some picks that we think could be great for from now to 2025. So that seven year period. It's it's got technology, industrials, financials, healthcare. You name it, it's in there. Uh, we also have you know what we're thinking about as far as uh, healthcare is concerned, and uh, that's coming. We're going to talk about healthcare today. Uh, some other other things. We have our small cap equity list. Our, our guided portfolio all-cap growth has been doing really, really well. And our top pick list, uh, both uh, global and, and uh, domestic. Uh, we also have some ADRs, which is an American depository receipt, if you don't know what that is. And uh, also, you know, we have a newsletter that comes out every month, uh, which, you know, has some pretty good stuff in it. And if you'd like to sign up for it, we don't harass you or anything like that. We just send you the newsletter. So uh, there you go. Uh, a couple things. Nineteen, I mean, 2017 marks the first year in which the Dow has had two winning streaks of 10 sessions or longer since 1959. 
U.S. public pensions earned median returns of 12.4% in the fiscal year ended June 30th, 2017, according to the fig- figures. That's the Wilshire, Wilshire Trust figures, by the way, up from 1% the uh, prior year. You know, it's funny because everybody talks about how good we've done come from the bottom. And I, I thought it was interesting that all these people are talking about the S&P 500. You know, from 2000 to 2013 and even 2004, 15 and 16 part and 14 too there were eight years where the S&P 500 did not show a gain of more than one percentage point uh, so everybody's running into these S&P 500 funds and I'm saying to myself no that ain't that great a deal okay and what they should be doing is looking at the equal weight to S&P 500 because that's done much better um, but anyway that's you know my personal opinion um, once again, we always talk about the process here, so we'll start big. Uh, the process, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to start with the economy, teach you about the economy, and then we're moving down to individual ideas later on. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, Paul, there was a great article by Brian Westbury, who's the chief economist at First Trust, and he talked about Paul Krugman, Larry Summers, and Bob Gordon. If you don't know who those are, they're very uh, liberal uh, economists have some explaining to do. Where's that secular stagnation that they talked about? And since 2008, they talked about the plow horse economy. That's all Brian talked about. Uh, but we never believed slow growth was permanent, and these guys did, uh, which I thought was interesting. I also thought it was interesting. I was looking at the stuff from Fundstrat, and this is Thomas Lee, by the way. He's a brilliant, uh, brilliant guy. He said EPS revisions are a result of the energy upside plus tax credits. So, you're seeing top line growth surge to 8.4% in uh, in 2017, and uh, it will be that way through uh, the third quarter of, of 2018, which is pretty good. And he says also the earnings cycle is weaker than prior cycles in terms of uh, gain this time around, but uh, it's still the second longest peak since 1956. Uh, looking at the prior cycles, you can get an applied EPS peaks uh, earnings per share for this cycle, and it's 62% above the prior cycle, which is pretty big, you know, when you think about it. Uh, and, he, and they asked him what could go wrong, and basically what he said was, uh, you know, it could be some policy thing or something like that. I thought it was interesting. The uh, FM, the Federal Open Market Committee uh, meeting was just held this week, and they they didn't have a rate hike, uh, but they said things were good, uh, very, very good. So, strong and solid were some of the terms they used, which I, I wholeheartedly believe. Then this week, we had a couple things that I, th- I thought were kind of interesting. Morgan Stanley put out a piece. This came from MarketWatch, by the way. Uh, and they said, according to an analyst at Morgan Stanley, who said the Wall Street rally is showing signs of exhaustion and that with major positive catalysts for trading now in the rearview mirror, there could be little to propel uh, earnings higher. And they said a correction uh, could have a, a serious correction coming up. <laughs> uh he, they think the selling will start slowly but uh, and build steadily and left the biggest winners of the year down the most. That I'd believe because some of those stocks are very parabolic and, uh, you know, I'm out of most of those <laughs> uh, stocks that are up a, a lot. You know, look, pigs, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Simple as that. Um, so maybe they're right. Who knows? Uh, I know that we, you know, we we – at RBC, we're looking at housing, and 
uh, it could be kind of a, a distant early warning. Uh, some existing home sales have fallen for three consecutive months. Uh, new home sales grew just at their slowest pace in eight months, uh, which is not good. Home prices are still increasing, but the lowest pace in six years. What's happening is the inventory of homes for sale have risen from the really, really unusually low levels just a while back. And um, prospective buyers are feeling less urgency now to, to put in bids. So, you know, if you dig a little deeper into the numbers, um, the Consensus Bureau home ownership rate has recovered somewhat from the from the trough in 2016, uh, back to the norms in 1990s. But these rates are still nowhere near the 2004 peak, which I don't think they're going to get to anytime soon. Um well, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, some, I had some people ask me about a couple things. So let's uh, start out with, uh, first of all, they, they said, you know, what could be the problem with the global trade scenario? And I look, on the receiving end, it's been a rough ride for most of the Chinese stocks in Hong Kong. China fell to the third largest capitalized market in the world on Friday. And I think, you know, the, obviously, Mr. Trump's winning, which is uh, really interesting but the real issue, I think, is, uh, you know, China ran a $375 billion trade surplus with the U.S. in, in 2017. And it's easy to think that this is the focus of what the, uh, the U.S. wants to do, you know, get rid of that. And the answer is simply to reverse the trend, uh, you know, and plus the fact that they're stealing their our um, technology. But, you know, I looked at this week and I what I saw is, uh, first of all, Elon Musk at you know, he he uh, knocked him dead on the te- uh, Tesla conference call. I listened to it, and he was apologetic, and he sounds sincere, et cetera. And the second thing I noticed is that the tech stocks held the line for now anyway. Uh, they held their 50-day moving average, which is what I was talking about. And, um, you know, I, I also read an article about Amazon, and for some reason they are far better than any other site in getting the visitors to actually buy something. 8% of the, the visitors buy something. They're also talking about adding Bitcoin, which would be really unusual. So a lot of people have asked me, um, you, know, we, you know, we mentioned, uh, uh, well, I won't go into that, but a lot of people are saying that there's a shift away from the, um, the growth stocks to the value stocks. And so, so far, the in, in dynamic asset level investing that our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, Small cap growth, large cap growth, mid cap growth, mid cap blend are the top four. Large cap value and small cap value and mid cap value are, are the bottom four. So I don't see that happening yet. Uh, and, and I think what you have to do, you know, if you look at the two primary indicators, uh, I find that growth still favored in both, you know, so there we go. Uh, but if you consider that the value of what being told uh, is always prudent to consider the source, as one might expect, uh, the source for many of these are prof- professional asset managers <laughs> who just happen to be in the in the uh, value area. <laughs> so, you know, uh, take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, some people have said growth stocks have become overpriced and investors have lost sight of valuations, and that may be true. Uh, value stocks have outperformed growth stocks over the uh, near term, and this is true. If you look at the last 30 days, um, the Citigroup Pure Growth Index and the S&P Pure Value Index, we can see the value index has outperformed. But that's just the last 30 days. But if we look at the relative strength it's of the, the two, the relative strength is still clearly in gross hands. So it'll be interesting if, if, that, uh, if that turns. But, uh, well, folks, I thought this was interesting. 
Boom! Trump approval rating at 50%. That's five points higher than Obama was at the same point in his presidency. And if you listen to the press, you would think that the man has done nothing but bad things. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. So 50% for Mr. Trump, I think that's fine. That's fairly interesting. Now, I got a call from um, Al, and I think Al was on the he's West Sider, and he said, Tim, I just got a call from somebody, and they wanted to sell me uh, a stepper CD. What is a stepper CD? So very quickly, uh, a stepper CD is a CD that matures pretty far out. Usually, uh, you know, I, I took an example. Uh, this this particular one matured in thir- uh, 8-30-2028, okay? And, uh, it, it, well, it matured in 830 on 8-30-38, but at, on, uh, it is currently at a three and three quarters coupon, and then at 20-28, it'll move up to 4% coupon. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not bad. So you really get a yield to call of about 375 and a yield to maturity, uh, which is 385. So it's fairly interesting. Now, I can guarantee if, if interest rates go down, they will be called. If interest rates go up, you'll be with them for a while. Uh, so uh, it all depends what you're trying to do. It, it's a way of getting you to get involved in the CD market with a with a hook you know, on it. Okay. Anyway, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. Don't stop believing. The skills you can develop as a soldier in the Army National Guard can give you an edge in the high-tech job market of tomorrow. The Guard offers career training to take advantage of your skills in science, technology, engineering, and math that can help give you a leg up to a high-paying and rewarding STEM profession. Get a head start on your career while earning money to pay for college. Log on to NationalGuard.com to learn about all of the STEM career opportunities in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, if, if you miss the first part of the show or you miss any part of the show or, you know, you're you're sitting in a parking lot uh, waiting for Home Depot to open, <laughs> which is usually where I am at this point, uh, you know, uh, you can go to WHK1420 and they have local podcasts. And under that, go to Tim Hayes and not only can you get the podcast on Monday? I think Monday at noon. It's either Monday or Tuesday at noon. But you can also directly go to my webpage. So instead of you know going Google uh, Tim Hayes Radio, you can go directly to WHK and keep that as a favorite on your uh, on your s- cell phone. So uh, just let you know if you'd like to have a conversation with me, if you'd like to sit down and talk about your portfolio because I think we can help you. Uh, the number is eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. 
All right. Uh, it's 888-223-7742. So I just read an article. It was in the Wall Street Journal this week. That he said that healthcare spending in the U.S. will soon reach 20% of GDP. And that's a significantly higher portion than any other major economy, by the way. And the key has been price hikes, not increased demand since 1960. The CPI has risen 700%, while medical costs have risen 2,000%. Since 2000, prescription drug costs, uh, hospital care and physician, uh, prescription drug costs and hospital care are up 60%. Physician and clinical services are up 23%. What they fail to mention in this, which I think is important, is that the life expectancy has increased by 23 years since 1960. Interesting. So we are spending more money, but we're living longer. Uh, so, you know, there we go. Uh, but so I, I want to check up on the healthcare se- uh, sector, if I may. <laughs> Sorry for the pun. Because healthcare and biotechnology uh, have been moving fairly rapidly up. And I've noticed several of the drug stocks have broken out also. Uh, so, you know, if we look at it, uh, the healthcare group is a proxy. We find that the group is the best performing on a year-to-date basis, up 21.5%. Now, when I mean healthcare, I'm talking about hospitals. I'm talking about insurers, the whole kit and caboodle. Now, if we take a look at the sector of the asset class, it reveals the healthcare and biotech sector rank two and three, respectively. Now, we kind of called this last year, and they made a big move, and then they died. Uh, at, you know, We talked about the beginning of last year. Not this year, last year. And biotech and healthcare made a big move, and then they died, and then they came back again. Uh, now, it's the larger names, which is good. You want the kings and the and the knights to lead the way, because then the foot soldiers will come. Uh, and I also, I just read that, <laughs> this, is, this is a high number, by the way. I mean, this is ridiculously high. That the, of the number of biotechs uh, in the discovery phase, Okay, so these are the, the more speculative ones. Under $10, 35% of the float is short. Well, I tell you, there better not be any good news because <laughs> the shorts are going to take it, you know, uh, right through the nose. But anyway, uh, so if you look, uh, this these two asset classes, healthcare and biotechnology, are in what we call the blue zone, which is, uh, um, and they trail just technology. That's it. That's the only thing that that, that they trail. So um, that's really kind of interesting. And when you when you look at the forty sector groups, uh, healthcare and bio are two and nine. So it, very interesting scenarios. Drugs, by the way, are down thirty one, but they are turning a little bit. It's mostly medical devices and healthcare services that are uh, looking the best. Um, pharmaceuticals are catching up, uh, but if you look at them. Over the uh, S and P five hundred, uh, they're doing quite quite well. Um, so, you know, we've talked about this before, and I have a list of really high quality healthcare stocks that look like they're going a lot higher. Um, I mean, a couple of these Dexcom would, just went crazy on the upside uh, on Thursday, th- yeah Thursday, and so there's a lot of these names that look really really good, uh, and some of them are really high quality name. So you got to be paying attention. So, you know. You might want to start to look at the healthcare uh, area. I would certainly look at uh, both, you know, both the biotechnology. The larger biotechnology stocks look really good. The smaller ones, a lot of shorts there, so they're hoping that they're going out of business or something like that. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be betting against that at this point. It's been a two and a half year bear market in that group. 
you know, you get any good news, these guys uh, are going to be hurting. There's another group, another set of groups that I think have really improved, and I've talked about buying yield when it's up. And the two groups I'm talking about are real estate and MLPs. And if you look, you know, healthcare has improved. It's not the only sector that has gained in relative strength. If you look, three areas we're going to talk about are the MLPs and the real estate because of their improvement and technology because it still remains the strongest sector. But if you look, MLPs and real estate, uh, you know, uh, the MLPs are the most improved sector. They're in first place. And real estate is just four or five sh- spots below. So there's a lot of really good-looking names out there that I think uh, – you know, can provide you with a uh, a combination of yield and growth. Now, with real estate investment trusts, I think it's very important that you look at the ones that could do well under inflationary periods, okay? Now, not all REITs do that. Uh, some of them do. I, I've got one, you know, f- phenomenal one, by the way. There's a couple out there that are involved in the technology area. So you can get involved in technology. You know, they got to pay 80% of their their earnings to you as a dividend. So those, you know, as, as technology goes up, they'll go up with it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the MLP side, I mean, we had three deals this week, you know, energy uh, transfer partners uh, uh, was bought out by their parent company and quite a few of these guys getting bought out by their, our parent company. So um, we're, we're seeing, a, we have a whole list of them and, uh, you know, there's one that's still my favorite, uh, my personal favorite, and um, actually there's two I should su- suggest. There's one's a gas utility, one is a master limited partnership, but I think the gas utility kind of qualifies under that. But great list of them. They're coming back. Should be interesting. The the technology area, there's still some uh, stocks that look really, really good. Um, you know, I was looking uh, – I always look at relative strength of various small cap and large cap sectors, and uh, so our friends at Dorsey Wright do too. So it's kind of interesting we we kind of correspond on this. But uh, there's areas including small cap consumer staples, small cap industrial, small cap tech, large cap energy, and even small utilities that are weakening uh, in relative strength. Uh, I'm sorry, these areas are strengthening, uh, and there's areas some of the weakening. They're large-cap financials, large-cap industrials, large-cap materials. Small-cap healthcare, which leads in the score, has has seen their score direction just slightly negative. So it's still a place to look. Uh, you know, maybe not today or tomorrow. You should just, you know, start a list. Um, but I, I think that uh, large-cap consumer staples, you know, which we've been pounding the table on, and small-cap consumer staples uh, – you know, have looked looked pretty good. Uh, and small cap industrials also are going crazy, you know. So now if I looked at direction, the best group would be utilities. And we talked about this, buying yield when it's up. So there's a lot of people out there who are thinking that the yield is, you know, this 3% on the 10-year, which I think we fell below on Friday, is not – going to stay there forever <laughs> all right and and so you're seeing the you know the utility in, index needs just one more uh move the xlu is what i'm looking at uh w- one more x uh, to break its down uh, downtrend line that'd be really interesting the small count health healthcare area still looks good now a couple things uh number one i noticed that the vix is right back where it started the year you know the vix is the 
is the volatility index or the fear index. So fear is no longer out there. Hmm. You know, you, you always worry about that a little bit. So, uh, and, and then just a couple of thoughts on, from us is I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some of the weekly momentum uh, indicators turn negative and, uh, you know, that, that's something it, I'm, I'm looking at what is known as a, a, a copic indicator, and it's starting to turn over a little bit. So be interesting to see uh, what happens from here. And, you know, we saw the rebound kind of stall at 2,800, and then it bounced back up to 2,800, then stalled again. It's, it's still doing that. And um, and also the Russell, the intermediate and weekly momentum, seemed to have peaked for the short term anyway. Uh, and that's that, you know, copic indicator also. Um you know, if, if you looked at the Russell, you might even say that there was a short-term double top that kind of formed. So you want to be a little bit more careful. Uh, large cap uh, va- growth is still going over, over value. Mid cap growth is still over mid cap value. Small cap growth and small cap value are not equal footing at this point. So, you know, that's kind of why we, we weren't throwing things away. But we, we have seen uh, some of the Global markets, especially like stuff like the EEM, which is, you know, the emerging market stuff, uh, the momentum is is kind of bottoming. It, they've hit bottom anyway. Uh, so you probably get some kind of oversold bounce. It'll bottom for a while and see what happens. The dollar, again, stalled uh, right at its 200-day moving average. And, um, you know, that's not good. It's holding its 50, stalling at the 200. Uh, the weekly momentum seems to be peaking a little bit. Ten-year bond yields, uh, we keep you know, getting up to that 3.1% area and falling back. So uh, we're not we're not seeing much there. Um, anything that's foreign has been uh, in an underperforming area and it's staying, I mean, it doesn't matter where it is. It's Canada, Germany, South Africa, Chile, China, Chile, uh, you know, any of them. Um, also, we, we the, the bond area. So this is where asset allocation has not worked this year. Um, you know, so you... Um, the pro shares, the ultra five S and P five hundred, and the QQQs have been the ones that with the established outperformance. And I, I would say you want to be kind of careful with those, especially the QQQs. Healthcare and and the medical devices group are turning up. The biotech group did break the IBB broke above one fifteen. That's very positive. IBB is the bigger names, so what you want is the bigger names to lead, and then the smaller names will follow. You hope. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but. Uh, you know, I guess I'll say this again. The improving areas I see are staples. You know, we've talked about this. I mean, Kimberly Clark was 101.99 area. It's now 113. Uh, when I started out on this, uh, you, you know, post was a huge winner. Uh, industrials are starting to turn the corner. Uh, weakening a little bit is financials, uh, discretionary, some tech, and some energy. Uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing um, – I think the financials are becoming oversold. Some of the REITs are becoming overbought. You want to wait on them a little bit. Food and tobacco improving, farm and biotech improving, retail is slowing a little bit. Software and services seem to be peaking. Transports are improving. That's important. And energy is just kind of a pause, I guess. So uh, that's all we know for now. We're going to be right back in about uh, a minute or two with the uh, bullish percent. So stay tuned. Uh, This is Smart Investor Show. Are you occasionally stressed, feeling fatigued? It doesn't have to be this way. 
support your body's response to all kinds of stress, promote energy levels, and nurture a sense of well-being with Quantum Nutrition Lab's stress support, B12, and adrenal support. For a limited time, all three are on special. Buy two bottles and get the third one free. Call 888-588-7578. That's 888-588-7578. Or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Listen to Healthline with Dr. Bob Marshall, Saturdays at noon on AM 1420. The answer. What's your life worth? Or a loved one's? $100? $200? Seriously? That's what Ohio seems to think. They keep installing $100 stop signs and $200 cross bucks at dangerous railroad crossings instead of installing gates, proven the safest for everyone. Minimal signage? Seriously? Report ungated crossings at angelsontrack.org because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and the station. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. We're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And once again, if you like, if you only heard part of this and you'd like to hear the whole thing, there is a podcast on WHK uh, 1420's homepage. It says local podcast. You go down to Tim Hayes. There I am. Um, also, uh, I, you know, I had some people in uh, this week uh, to see me, and we had a cup of coffee, and we talked about their portfolio, and. Um, then I went out to see a gentleman on Thursday, and it was very interesting. Um, almost every advisor out there that they talk to me about is pushing insurance contracts. And um, I get the life insurance company's done a great job of, of selling these things. And I guess uh, the point is, um, or the insurance companies, I should say, the point is. Uh, you know, you're you're in a roaring bull market, which could correct here, which would, I think would be excellent if it corrected, and it would be an excellent time to buy in, all right? And uh, these guys are going with fixed income and, and locking in 3% for 20 years. I, I don't see that as being positive for uh, most people, although it is insured. Just, just remember, a lot of those insurance companies got out of the annuity business in 2008, uh, so we'll just leave that as it is, but... Anyway, uh, if if you'd like to talk about your portfolio, call me one eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. That's eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. Or if you want to call me direct, two one six seven seven four eight nine zero six. That's two one six seven seven four eight nine zero six. As we do every week, we talk about the bullish percent, 
And the Bose percent is our, our main risk guide. Uh, it's, it's an indicator that was designed back in the 30s by some very smart people who, they, it, it just goes from zero to 100. Uh, it's simple. Column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. Column of O's, there's distribution. There's some other stuff that goes along with this, like, you know, in dynamic asset level investing, if, uh, if U.S. equities or domestic equities are number one asset class, that's where you put most of your money. Uh, back in the first part of the, uh, the uh, century, um, you know, from 2000 to 2007, it was foreign markets that were the place to be. They were the number one asset class, so that's where you put your money. Right now, domestic equities are number one. Now, if the, you know, back in 2008, they were the lowest form of life <laughs> in the dynamic asset level investing. It was not a place to be. And we said it on this radio. We said the money market would outperform the stock market. We said it for three months. And uh, I don't think a lot of people believe this, but I believe we came out. So when we go into column of O's, you don't have to sell everything. You got to see what else, what else is going on. So it's it's the main risk guide, but it's not the the ultimate risk guide. There's a lot of them. There's like 10, 10 of them that we follow very closely on a weekly basis. So Right now, uh, and by the way, over 70 is the red zone. That's when everything's hot, okay? CNBC is talking about going to 100,000 on the Dow, all right? And when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's kind of depressed and uh, they don't open their 401k statements. Uh, you know, they don't take calls from their financial advisor, you know, that type of thing. Uh, usually that's the best time to buy, okay? So when everybody's greedy, you get fearful. When everybody's fearful, you get greedy. So this week, we are at 55.3%. We are down 1%. We would reverse at 52. So we're getting awfully close. And I think you want to be paying attention to that. The over-the-counter index was down 3 to 47%. At 46, you would reverse. Remember, we said that the smaller cap names were getting a little bit beat up. The world index reversed into a column of X's this week. Remember, I said not to sell these things out of your 401k for the last three weeks. Uh, so we're at 41.9%. We're up 2.5%. We wouldn't reverse back to 34. That's a good position to get involved in some of the world equities. That's why I suggested the ADR list. Remember, I haven't ta- talked about the ADR list for almost three months. I didn't talk about the uh, best ideas globally either. So so that's, that's important. Uh, there were no changes to any of the positive uh, trend indicators either. So Look, the, the dog days of summer are uh, in full swing, and this week we turn the calendar to the last of the three traditional summer months. Uh, this time of year tends to be a relatively calm period in the in the market. Uh, I think it's I think the S and P the SPX has gained like four percent since the end of May. Uh, additionally, we've moved through the heart of earnings season. We had a few landmines. Uh, Facebook was one. Intel fell short of, well, they, they met expectations, but they're, they have a new chip that's a problem. Um, I think the fact is really is that they're, they don't have a CEO because of, uh, they had to kind of, they let one go. Uh, technology continues to boast double-digit returns this year. Um, it's almost, I mean, it just keeps climbing up like there's nothing but technology out there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. It did, the XLK, which is, you know, one of the main uh, um ETFs for uh, technology did correct pretty hard this week, uh, down about four or five percent. Uh, but it still remains, you know, good fund score. Still, the trend looks good for now. And, um, you know, look, th- this thing is an extreme. The XLK is not an, an extreme oversold terri- territory by any means, but it does have, uh, you know, a negative four point seven percent oversold scenario. You know, sometimes they get to like minus. 
150, okay? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns around. We'll see what's going on then. Um, if we looked at uh, the one-week moving average, it crossed below the five-week. So we, so we say weekly momentum is kind of negative at this point, uh, you know, in some of these names. And, and uh, I looked at most of the most of the uh, indexes, and they still look good long term. Uh, you know, the, the the mid cap and small cap, and the IQ and the QQQs have had negative momentum for some time now. So what we're seeing here is uh, a fewer and fewer stocks leading the market up, which is not good. So uh, you know, uh, weekly momentum is one of the uh, the things that we we follow pretty closely, and uh, we track it for you know most stocks and ETFs and stuff like that. And um, it's a, it's you know the daily momentum is a very short term tool. The weekly momentum tends to be a little bit longer. Monthly obviously is monthly. Uh, weekly momentum is the one week moving average compared to the five. And the moving average, uh, you know, with the one week crossing below the five week, we would say weekly momentum's negative. And we've seen that on both the S and P five hundred and the equal weight S and P five hundred. So, be interesting to see, uh, you know. I'm sorry, that happened about a month ago in the, on the uh, uh, equal weight index. Now, the equal weight looks like it turned up. The, the S&P 500 market weight looks like it turned down. So it'll be interesting to see who wins there. Um, as far as sectors concerned, we lost the sector this week. Uh, we, we, were, we had 15 uh, favored sectors last week. We now have 14. Uh, we're, we're crunching closer. We're at 48. Remember, we were at 66 just uh, you know in January. We were down 1.86% this month. So what we're going to talk about is our is the favored sectors, and we're going to move uh, from the most overbought to the least overbought. And uh, right now, if you look, um, forest and paper products and banking are at 65. So you'd probably still wait a little bit. Waste management and aerospace are at 60. A lot of waste management stocks breaking out. Uh, computers, business, and oil services are 55. Good place to be you know, starting to buy. Semiconductors, oil service, software, re, uh, retail, and healthcare are at 50. Remember, healthcare is looking really good. And then at 45 is restaurants. And then at, at uh, 40 is the internet. Now, we have several groups that are underneath 30. Biotechnology is one of them. So it's the big biotechnologies. It's not the whole kit caboodle. Um, these are not favored, by the way. Okay, so you got, you got to wait for these to turn up. And precious metals and non-ferrous metals and then Wall Street and protection services are at 25. What's interesting is Wall Street was at plus 85 back in, in, in January, and now it's at 22. So why is that important? So it's run the full gamut, and the stocks have not really gone down that much. So if they turn up, it could be, it could be really interesting. I would suggest that uh, precious metals are really, really oversold, and they're on what I call bull alert status, all right? Uh, I, I looked at internationally, and, and probably the most improved scores were in Latin America, India, and Russia. Uh, China's still looking <laughs> rough around the edges. I don't know if I'd be heading there. Um, and uh, just, you know, just leave it at that. I, you know, I forgot to mention what's improved in the, in the groups. The Internet and restaurants uh, fell to uh, just, you know, just favored status. Aerospace went positive. Leisure went uh, to average. Protection services was below average. Biotechs went to below average. And drugs and gas utilities uh, went to below average. So 
it, and it's funny because the the stocks are breaking out in drugs. You know, Lilly hit a new high. Uh, Merck broke out. Uh, Pfizer broke out. So interesting stuff. I, I I did notice, you know, like some of the uh, the foreign groups, the Latin American especially, came down to support and then turned around. Uh, so that was really interesting. And uh, some of you know some of the other ones um, have moved up a little bit, and that that's kind of positive. And the AGG, which is the uh, the core bond ETF. I uh, went into a column of O's, which means yields went up again. Uh, it's interesting because the, we're having a hard time getting over that 3.1% on the 10-year. A uh, couple other things we noticed as uh, the commodity area, uh, negative in crude oil for the first week in eight. Um, you know, gold went positive this week, and, and most of the commodity indexes have been negative, uh, corn being the exception. Uh, corn and cotton turned back up this week. So those those are two uh, for those who like those uh, to to go take a look. Uh, I don't do commodities myself. Um, if we looked at stocks moving to a relative strength buy signal, this is important because stuff like look Danaher has had one for almost twenty five years now. So these are the type of stocks that you want to be looking at. These are one of the names you should be uh, uh, paying attention to. Gorman Rupp that shows up on my machine too. Uh, cardiovascular Systems that too. Lattice Semiconductor National Oil Well Super Value which is a takeover. And Wabtech, which is local. And uh, on the sell side, we have a lot of names here. Um, Beezer Homes, Cedar Fair, Griffin, Granite Construction, Hammy Financial, Cumberland Pharmaceuticals, Bank of California, Immunogen, Lithia Motors, MI Homes, MKS Instruments, NCI Building, Coppers, IPG Photronics, uh, Lumber Liquidators, NXP uh, Semiconductors, Everest Re, the insurance company, uh, Tyson, SunPower, EchoStar, Bellicom Pharmaceuticals, and Edis Medicine. So there we go. Um, you know, a couple things I did notice is that the equal weight S&P 500 did turn up into a column of X's, and the world, you know, bullish percent turned up. So those are the areas that are, you know, world index was pretty oversold. That might be an area, like I said, uh, in your 401k. You definitely, I hope you didn't sell it because we kind of advised you against it might be a good place to add some for a short-term bounce, not for long-term. We're going to be back with Insiders. Stay tuned. Never believe it's not so. It's magic. You know. Never believe it's not so. Join in your daily dose of debate. Michael, I disagree with you 90%, but I never miss your show. I agree with you about 99% of the time. I appreciate your pursuit of truth. The Michael Medved Show. You're one of the most brilliant guys on the air, TV or radio. Debated with a lot of people. I've never debated with anyone nearly as good as you. Michael Medved. You're a masterful speaker. The Michael Medved Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Here on AM 1420. The Answer. By now, you've figured out a fact of American life. The mainstream media hates President Trump. Where other presidents have been given a pass, President Trump is held to a different standard. They don't seem to want to report anything he does good. Instead, they appear to want to tarnish anything good and paint it with a negative brush. You know, sometimes they're just unable to disguise their disgust for all he stands for. Making America great again? Yeah, maybe they really don't get it or don't want it. That's why you have us. And that's why more of you are counting on us to get your news. AM 1420. The answer. 
Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're back, and uh, this is where we talk about insiders. We always talk about insiders because they're smart people. <laughs> they know their companies better than we do. Uh, and we had a couple big, big things there. By the way, the, the ratio, which was very negative last week, went turned around and went, became very positive again. So we had numerous multiple buyers and Constellation Pharmaceuticals. Now, this is uh, Orbamed and, and Third Value. Uh, these were two big buyers they did a secondary, and these guys are—they know—they know what they're doing. There was four buyers of ten million dollars worth. Fintech, uh, Fintech acquisitions. There was one buyer of five million. Avio Pharmaceuticals. There was nine buyers of four point four. Love when you see multiple buyers like that. And Rimini Street, uh, which, by the way, Avio and Rimini was showing up in my machine quite a bit. Uh, one buyer of two point nine. And then we had, uh, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, uh, Rubius Therapeutics. We had four buyers of a million dollars worth. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Uh, one, well, I'll get to that in a second. Xerox, we had a, one of the older directors buy $1.4 million worth. Now, Xerox peaked around 34, 35, is now 25. So it's taken a pretty big hit. Our good friend Carl Icahn, uh, on, Thursday, I, I did. I wrote this down on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess it was. They did nine point seven five of uh, Energen Corporation. He just bought another uh, couple uh, lots of in the million dollars uh, level uh, on Thursday and Friday. So he's, he likes the stock. <laughs> uh, Live Oak Bank shares. Now I saw a couple uh, banks here that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, and First Horizon. Uh, the president and CEO of Live uh, Oak bought $1 million worth after it got crunched from 20, uh, 32 down to 26. Uh, First Horizon National, the, the uh, stock was around the uh, $20 level, and when it got crunched down to 16, he, he the CEO bought $1.7 million worth. Now, here's an interesting one, and I own, I own this, so uh, you know, I'm talking up my own book, so I just want you to know I own it at a lower level. Storage Technology. Value Act, which is one of the better uh, companies out there at being uh, aggressive in in, in stockholder governance, bought $49.6 million worth. It's just a big, big chunk. And then Martin Mariana Materials, uh, we had two buyers, the CFO and uh, a director, buy about $700,000 worth. I I mentioned that because it's the first buy in a while. And then um, here's another one. The the, the uh, Caesars came out and, and had a terrible conference call. They blew the conference calls when it came down to. And they killed all of all of uh, the gaming stocks in Vegas. Let me tell you, they're moving uh, a football team out there, and they're talking about getting a basketball team out there. I don't think Vegas is going to go down that much. But with that news, the CEO of Las Vegas Sands bought $667,000 worth Trust me, he owns a lot. (laughs) 
So you like to see them when they buy, and they buy more and more and more and more. Okay, that's that's a good sign. And then Mohawk Industries, uh, uh, Philippe Balsenex, uh sorry, I, my Spanish is terrible, bought twice after the stock got creamed. It was like in the two eighties levels, and it's one fifty four, one eighty four. I'm sorry, he bought four point six million and four point five uh, in two successive days. And here's one that's interesting with a big dividend, AT and T. We had five buyers, one of $1.99 million, a director, another $1.55, another $4.94, another four, uh, four, uh, $494,000, another $453,000, another $121,000. And these were pretty big officers within the company. So uh, here we, this is the first buy in AT&T in a long time. And, uh, you know, I actually sold some because it was looking terrible. Uh so uh, that's interesting. It's it, it's an interesting scenario. Now, this one kind of bugs me. Uh, you know, I told you that the week before Facebook announced their earnings, that uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, sold $400 million worth of stock. All right? And Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO, she sold uh, about $12 million worth of stock. Well, if Facebook is bottoming... Uh, you can't tell that to Mr. Zuckerberg because he just sold another $150 million worth of stock this week. So maybe he's thinking that uh, it hasn't bottomed. And uh, that's for all those out there that uh, gave me a hard time when I sold it up a little bit higher. Uh, <laughs> so what will we do now? Well, look, I, I've been talking about this for some time. Uh, the dividend growth portfolio ha- and the prime income list have a lot of names that are in the consumer staple area. And I really highly recommend that you call, you know, you call me at 888-223-7742, uh, 888-223-7742. Uh, give direct once. My direct line is 216-774-8906. The consumer staple area, I mean, there's some really good names there. Uh, I would highly recommend that. Now, the other thing is the NASDAQ composite is, is now not only through the the upper limits, but through the upper limits of the upper limits of its chart, I would suggest that there's eight, nine, ten stocks that are responsible for that. And I think they're going to give it up for a while. Matter of fact, I think it'll be kind of uh, fairly interesting. I I think that uh, there's going to be a change in leadership coming up here. I'm not exactly sure where we're going. Uh, right now, I'd say it's healthcare. I'd say it's MLPs, REITs, uh, you know, that that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, you never know. But it's extended to the upside. And this this is the NASDAQ 100, the top 100 stocks. There's a lot of people cramming money into these these indexes. And I, I um, every time I've seen that, it's ended badly. Whenever you see uh, John Bogle get on the line and say, indexing is the only way, um, usually that's a bad, bad time to get in the index. <laughs> uh, they did it in 2000. They did it in 2007 and 8. And, uh you know, I, I repeat myself from 2014 to 2016 in November, you didn't make a dime in the S&P 500. It went sideways. A matter of fact, you had several major corrections. 2011, two, uh, 2010, 2011, you didn't make a dime in the S. Well, I think you were up 1% in 2011. All right. 2006 to 2009, yet, you know, about midway through the, the year, you started making money on the S&P 500. You, you, you lost 50%. 2000 to 2003, you lost 50% again. 
indexing is not always the greatest thing. It's cheapest, but if you indexed through, you know, from 2000 to 2010, you had a negative return. All right. So, you know, just remember that. Uh, now we are in a bull market and good things are happening, but you just got to remember indexing isn't what everybody talks about. You, you know, you, you can also lose quite a bit of money in the index. Uh, anyway, so, you know, we have earnings season and there's some, been some really good earnings surprises. Most of it's in the bottom half of the S&P 500. That's why I said the if you can get the S&P 500 um, in your accounts or your 401ks where it's equal weight, not, you know, uh, not the uh, uh, equal weight is each stock gets one vote instead of uh, the the index itself, which is based on the size of the company. Uh you know, you that's really what's going on here. So th- that's where I'd stay. And, and um, you know, look, this, the NDX keeps marching on. And I, I you just wonder, look, when, what you try to do in this business is you try to add fundamentals and technicals. And, and you know, I would suggest that the, the fundamentals part uh, are getting a little bit extended on some of those stocks. The technicals are getting a little extended. There are other names out there where you can take less risk, you know, Uh there's there's going to be another Amazon. There's going to be another, uh, you know, uh, Netflix. There always is. So, you know, there's another train coming. Don't worry about it. You don't want to be, you don't want to get on the train just before it's going to crash. <laughs> All right. So um, once again, the healthcare and biotechnology have made great strides. Um, and in healthcare, I mean the the medical technology stocks, uh, and and the, actually the healthcare support stocks, okay, uh, not necessarily drug stocks. Uh, the biotechnology stocks, the bigger names are looking better. You know, we talked about Amgen uh, several months ago. It's done nicely, okay. Uh, great dividend, you know, and it, it's one of the faster growing dividends. So, technology still leading the way, but you know, we talked about utilities, REITs, and MLPs picking up steam. A lot of deals in MLPs. I think there's going to continue because they're going to shrink the, the business a little bit. And that is yield, folks. Okay. So those are things that you can put away. And, and you know, most of them are down quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing better than buying yield when it's down. I mean, yield when it's up and the price of things down. That's the best time. Uh, so I would uh, suggest that that's, you know, where I'd be looking uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, once again, we have several... Uh, lists that that we should talk about we have our portfolio for 2025 so seven years from now what will the market look like we've got you know within that we have oils global uh industrials we have healthcare, we have technology we have the whole kit and caboodle we have our top ideas list we have our dividend growth and our prime income portfolio this is a good time to be looking at that okay with the yields up those things are looking good a lot of the consumer staple stocks have rallied pretty hard. I mean, Kimberly Clark's up almost nine, ten dollars since we we started talking about consumer staples. Uh, I noticed that several of the tobacco stocks are, you know, were, were in bad shape, are turning. So none of these things are going out of business. So that they're all on the prime income list and the and the dividend growth list. So I would take a look. Our best ideas list, highly recommend it. There's a lot of good stuff on there. And now I think you want to tip tack, tiptoe back in to the ADR list, which we haven't talked about in three months. And also some of uh, 
our best global ideas. Uh, you know, we've, we we haven't we only mention stuff when we think it's a timely idea. Um, our best ideas, uh, you know, I, I think are good. You know, at this point because they're not in that big technology sector for the most part. So uh, uh, anyway, th- those that's how I'd be I'd be looking at things. I would make sure um, that. Uh, and, and by the way. Municipal bonds look pretty good right now, too. So if you would like to see, you know, t- municipal bonds are tax-free from both state and federal tax here in the state of Ohio. So, uh, and the yields are up. They're, the yields are actually above the Treasury yields, which is very unusual. So, um, and they've been that way for a while. And Columbus bonds are AAA rated. Okay, so there's plenty of them out there. And, uh, you know, let me know if you'd like to get that bond list. In the meantime, I would be... Uh, I would do a couple things. If you just got a part of the show, go to WHK 1420 Radio and uh, hit the local uh, blogs and it'll, it'll uh, a podcast, I'm sorry, and go down to Tim Hayes and, and I'm there. You, you know, you need an afternoon snooze. You can listen to me for a while. In the meantime, uh, you have lots of lists, lots of things to do. Remember, buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show and I'm Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.